Welcome back to the Real Life Theology Podcast. This is Chris. Thank you again for joining today. We hope you're having a great week on this awesome Thursday, and you've been able to track along with all the breakout sessions we've been rolling out. This session is really cool because Brett Andrews and Todd Wilson are going to talk about the Renew Church Planting Movement and what that looks like. Renew cares a ton about having healthy, functioning churches that care about good theology and honoring God through that. So in this session, Brett and Todd talk about why does it matter, what is it about, why they believe that Renew is needed, but also the Renew Church Planting Movement is needed, how the Renew Church Planting Movement will even work, and how do you be a part of the Renew Church Planting Movement if you want to be. The Renew Church Planting Movement is a really exciting thing that's happening. Let's go ahead and dive into this and listen how Brett and Todd describe how this is all happening, what it looks like, how you can get involved. Let's listen in together now. So I want to welcome you all. Thanks for joining us. My name is Brett Andrews. Todd Wilson's going to be... Um, is going to be sharing as well. Um, we are going to, to talk about Renew Movement Church Planting. Uh, my goal is to talk about the why, why it matters, what it's about in, in terms of uh, why I believe not only is Renew needed, but Renew Church Planting is needed. Uh, give you a little bit of a picture of what that looks like, and then Todd is going to share... Um, more specifics about the how Renew Church Planting will work. And before this is over, every church in this place, every church in this room can be a part of a Renew Movement Church plant if God is calling you to and you want to. We're going to give you that invitation after explaining kind of the vision for why it matters and then the how of how it's going to happen, how, how we will do it. So... Um, why does it matter? What, what we're doing? First of all, I absolutely believe that what Renew, is, what Renew does matters. I have thought so many times, and my guess is that you probably have as well, as our world has changed in the last three years, what, uh, what, what providential timing it has been that God was burdening this with Bobby for years. And so why does Renew exist? Renew exists to help be a, to be a voice for um, Bible-believing churches to make disciples who make disciples based on the solid teachings of Jesus Christ. If it, There are lots of different voices out there, but there are a lot of young ministers who, if it weren't for Renew's voice, would would not be sure what voice to listen to, or would be going the wrong, would be listening to the wrong voices. And so, this is just perfect timing. However, for Renew to be about disciple making, Renew is about disciples making disciples. It must also be about church planting. You cannot have disciple making movements. I, I feel like I'm preaching. You can't have disciple-making movements unless there there are church-planting movements. Disciple-making movements start church-planting movements. If it's just about make disciples who make disciples, in my opinion, what often happens is the churches become inwardly focused. It doesn't become about lostness. It becomes about saved people growing in Jesus. And how can we? And we can go back to the 1960s and 70s, where the church becomes the holy huddle again. 
Church planting gives us a vision for lostness in our community and our generation. Go into all the world and make disciples. You don't do that just by having a holy huddle of people, <laughs> a, a, a holy huddle of people with their butts to the world. We must be about church planting for that to happen. Okay, so I really believe that renew matters, and therefore renew church planting matters. Um, part of the reason that we're doing so. So why does this matter specifically? Um, the world, I, I, I keep telling people, but we don't live in 1993 anymore. It really is shocking to me to think that in 2012, Barack Obama opposed gay marriage. In 2012, Barack Obama was vocally opposed to homosexual marriage. Today, if you're opposed to homosexual marriage, you are seen as hateful, narrow, backwards. The world has shifted so much. New Life started the church that I'm with in 1993. In 1993, if you were starting a church that said, we're a Bible-based church, or a, the, the new term I hear these days is a Bible-centered church. By the way, I don't know what that means anymore. Do you know what a Bible-centered church is? I know what they want you to think that it is, but I don't really know what it is. Um, if you start a Bible-based church in 1993, an evangelical church, you kind of knew what that church was going to be. That's not so. That's not the case anymore. People can say we're an evangelical church, and what, what they really believe about the Bible may be that they believe the Bible is inspired word of God, and that it's trustworthy and inerrant, or it may not. It may be that they believe that they believe in biblical justice. It may mean that they believe in social justice and not biblical justice. You just don't know. And so, and so what does it mean? So renew really matters because, and renew, starting churches as renewed churches matter because churches need doctrinal solidification. Um, years ago, we used to say, we've got to start more churches. The most effective means of reaching lots of people is to start more churches. But there's something worse than not starting enough churches and not starting new churches. And what's worse than starting new churches, not starting new churches, is starting a whole bunch of churches that in 10 years or 20 years from now are teaching heresy, are telling people, are convincing people that they're followers of Jesus Christ when they're not. Or, if I could take it even another level deeper, are growing consumer-minded followers of Christ, not pick up your cross and follow me, followers of Christ. Okay, so this is what Renew Movements are, is about. If you're a part of church planting or been a part of church planting, you know that there are about four P's that everybody knows. If you're going to start church, what are the P's that you need? You need a person, you need a place, you need some provision. You know, um, somebody provision. Okay, yeah, whatever. Okay, you, you need you need some fun. Um, maybe you need. Some would say you need a plan, or 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 maybe project management. But what else do you need? You need doctrinal solidification. You need solid doctrinal foundation, and and you also need accountability. What has happened in churches, in Christian churches, in the, as we've planted churches in the last 30 years, is 
because we're because we're Christian churches, we're really afraid of being a denomination. And so we start churches as independent churches. They get going, and after five years, after the management team is done with them, or maybe sooner, they're independent. Well, what independent doctrinally, independent in terms of accountability. So you start a church, and you hire a, 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 a church planter who is solid on the Bible, committed to um, one of the things we value, right, is, is um, complementarianism. We believe that God has ordered the world. Therefore, he's ordered the home. He's ordered the church. The order of the home and the order of the church are in harmony. They're not in disharmony. They're, they're not set up for conflict. So they're committed. You hire somebody who's committed to biblical authority, the biblical order of the family and the home. And then after three or four or five years, they start to get influenced by other Christian organizations and Christian leaders and Christian books that say, nah, that's, that's misogynistic. They get, in, or in the last few years, they you know, maybe get influenced by a woke culture that, that would, in, in my opinion, kind of push a racist view. So we, we don't judge people based on their main image of God. We judge people based on surface appearances. And so all of a sudden you have these church planters that when you hired them and they were committed doctrinally and you were in line, now all of a sudden they're teaching things that the churches that started them the church and the church planting organizations that started them um, would not agree with, not be aligned with. Well, there's not any accountability. At the very beginning, the church wasn't locked into a doctrinal commitment. And so that church is only going to be as aligned with the church planting organizations and church planting churches and the scripture as the church planter is. And we've seen it happen more than once, unfortunately, where you put a couple of hundred thousand dollars into a new church and five years later, six years later, ten years later, the church planter has gone a different direction. And what do you do? You've just started a church that's, that's raising unhealthy Christians, weak Christians, convincing people that they're doctrinally sound when they're not. The other thing that happens in a new church is that you, you start a church, the church planter is there for five years, six years, seven years, and then goes to a different church. Who's become, an el- who's become the elders in those churches in the first five years? Most of them are either new Christians or they're people who've come from other churches. Maybe you have a few that would be doctrinally sound, but if, they're, if you don't have an entire eldership that is doctrinally sound and affiliated and aligned with biblical Christianity as the aligned with the churches and the church planting organizations that started it, then what happens? All of us suddenly you have this church that you invested all this money in and all these people in, and they're teaching they're teaching doctrines that your church planting churches or organizations would never want taught, would never agree with. Um, I'm gonna I I this is being recorded, isn't it? Um, I believe that I, and I think that we all would agree that we are saved by grace through faith. And the biblical response to that is we repent and are baptized. 
But we know that there's a lot of, of, there's a predominance in Christianity that would say baptism is important and you should get baptized, but it's not essential. By the way, I like to ask people, so tell me which of the other commands are not essential to obey? And, and, which of the, and, and how do we get the right to choose which are essential and not essential? But anyway, but so the, and, and so what happens, that church that you started, based on what you understand, what we understand Scripture to teach, is now all of a sudden teaching doctrine that you don't agree with, and you don't have any influence over it. We're new church planting. Um, what, we're, what we're doing is we're bringing together churches that are started on, that, that, are, that, are, that are started, three things that are unique about it. First of all, doctrinal alignment. The Renew Faith Statement is the doctrinal alignment, is the faith statement that will be the, the, the DNA of those new churches. Um, there are two things that these churches, I think, need to have in common. The one thing that they need is a, a common DNA. And the second is peer and ongoing accountability. Okay? Um, the DNA has to do with um, what is the doctrine that you teach and believe? And what is your missional alignment? Renew will, will essentially determines the DNA. So the doctrine is the renewed faith statement. And the missional alignment is disciple-making movements for church planting movements. So the, the DNA is we are committed to making disciples who make disciples to start churches and start churches and the renewed doctrinal statement. At the very beginning of these churches, before they ever get launched, the identity is this is our this the, these are our doctrines and this is our um, uh, and this is our, our core commitment to be disciple making churches. The second thing is then is that peer accountability. So they're started with with renewed churches that then hold them accountable, but then as they plant and plant other churches, there's a mutual accountability that goes on from there. Um, let me stop right here. Todd's going to come up and talk about and now kind of flesh this out. Hey, listener, did you know that Renew.org is mainly supported through donors like you? You can go to renew.org forward slash donate for more information. When you support renew.org, you're supporting over 250 church leaders connected in our network who are trying to make disciple making the heartbeat of their church. You're coming alongside families discipling their kids. You're coming alongside church members and seekers who are just wanting biblical clarity on today's toughest issues. You're coming alongside organizations who are planting schools and churches that teach the Bible. Support renew.org today at renew.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much. Winston Churchill said, we shape our buildings and afterwards our buildings shape us. As a ministry leader, you know your space matters and you want it to be engaging and effective, but maybe you're not really sure how to make that happen. I'm Abby Barris, designer and ministry veteran, and I'd love to help you figure that out. You can find me at abbybarrisinteriors.com or at churchdesignhelp.com. 
to learn more about how to begin shaping your spaces for intentional discipleship. I'm going to cover a little bit of what does it mean to be a part of Renew Movement, to be a part of church planting with Renew Movement, and how are we going to go about planting churches together. So I'm going to get a little bit into the nuts and bolts, but try to also stay at the principal level some. Um, I'm not going to read through everything on the sheet. What I want to direct your attention to first on this sheet, um, right in the middle of the front page where it says common priorities on our plants, um, I want to just go through high level what we're committing to together when we're planting churches through our new movement. Um, first off is that it's a collaborative approach. Um, if I could just boil down one principle that probably will drive how we're doing things, um, Churches plant churches, not institutions. If you can just get your head, churches plant churches, not institutions. Um, Some institutions plant churches, but the kind of reproducing healthy churches, um, just like families, husbands and wives reproduce children, not hospitals or institutions or something. The idea that it's a church that reproduces a church that's what I would say is at a core of what we're, we're going to do in our new movement. So that means collaboratively, groupings of churches, five or more churches hopefully, will come together, and it may be around an affinity. It might be around a geographic area. It might be around a specific church planter. It might be around a specific model or approach to planting. It might be about a strategic unreached people group. We're not limiting the model or the location. It is, again, churches plant churches, so five or more churches come together, and they have a calling and a conviction and a word from God of how that's going to come together. Is that making sense so far? Churches plant churches. It's collaborative with the churches. Um, So models, or the finances then, um, again, we're not trying to create a new church planting organization that competes with other church planting organizations. This is a collaborative of networks and churches that plant churches together. And so that means the financing of these church plants come from either the church planting organizations that are already planting churches and whatever their financial model is, or the five or more churches that come together to plant churches together, they pool their money together to plant a church. So as an example, one of the first churches that we collaboratively planted together at New Life Christian Church, where Brett is, um, it, it's amazing how simple it comes together. We got four or five churches to commit to put $16,000 a year from each church for three years into a church plant. And all of a sudden, the money adds up. That's $200,000 over three years. We asked the church planter to demonstrate they could raise the equivalent of their salary over that period of time. And guess what? You have enough money to plant a church. And so it doesn't, with with five or more churches coming together, with a fairly small financial commitment, we're able to plant churches together. That's where the five or more collaborating. Now here's the thing. We're, We're not even setting what's the financial commitment of one of those churches coming in. Our commitment is we want any church in America that commits to those to the to what Brett had up there, the commitment of doctrine, accountability, the faith statement with the disciple making core. If there is a church committed to that, 
We want a model and approach that all it takes is a decision by that church to participate in church planning. One of the misnomers of church planning, I've, I've seen it over the last 20 years, so many churches get stuck because they think we can't afford to plan a church. We don't know how to do it. We don't have the time. We don't have the money. In the collaborative model where you bring five or more churches together and what I'm going to show you for the model, it literally, I promise you, any of you that are a church thinking about church planning, what we're talking about here, all it requires is a decision, probably a phone call to your elders for how simple it is to get involved in what we're talking about. There's no expertise required. We're not talking hundreds of thousands of dollars from one church. This is a collaborative, working together effort that just about any church can, can pull together. Making sense so far? Um, so models and locations, just think neutral on that. The mo- we, we are not saying there's a silver bullet model. We're saying, in some ways, this is going to be the learning laboratory of the future, reaching the next generation, reaching into urban areas. So a cluster of five churches may say, we need to figure out how to fill in the blank. And it may be a model we haven't even done before. Those five churches are coming together collaboratively to try something almost like an R&D kind of a on the other end of the spectrum, there are very proven models. You want to plant a church in such and such a kind of area with such and such. Here's the, we can show you 92% success rate if you do it this way. And there will be groups of five churches that want to come together and do the 92% success rate way to do it. So what I want you to hear is, is this is not, there's a silver bullet way to do it. This is location neutral, model neutral. Okay? Um, in terms of core convictions, Brett's already said it. Uh, all the groups that will participate in this, at a minimum, the Renew Faith Statement and the commitment. I'm, I'm going to. This is maybe not our whole groups even agree to this. I'm going to. I'm going to express it this way. Um, all of our group has agreed. The core mission of the church is Jesus-style disciple making. I'm going to expand it to one more step to say our conviction is. It's Jesus' style of disciple-making is the core engine or the core mission. But, and I don't want to get sidetracked with this right now, much of the problem we have with church planting and church right now is the operating system's broke. The growth engine of the current operating system's broke. It is a programmatic growth engine and not a disciple-making growth engine. So I think the conviction is that it is disciple-making as the core mission and growth engine of the church. It's the core mission and growth engine. Now that's where, when you really start to look under the hood, I'm going to just admit right up front that that's where part of the r is coming in. If we already had broken the code in the United States, not on the core mission part, but on the, on the growth engine part, we wouldn't be having the problems we're having in America. It, we would see at least, at least one church planting movement in America. And there is not one. Not one church planting movement in America. And it's rooted in the lack of disciple-making movement. And we can argue the core mission part, but it's really that disciple-making is not the core engine of growth in the church. And that, that's for another conversation someday. Um, the other thing for us is 
best practices. So all the groups were wanting this to be, uh, we don't want to go reinvent the wheel. We want to bring the very best, what's already proven for practices, from assessments, to training, residencies, coaching, project management. Our intent is that if you went and could find the top three processes for assessment, training, coaching, residency, project management, we're using them. They're within what we're doing as the engine for what we're doing. Okay? So uh, I'm just trying to illustrate in a simple way on this page. Let's, um, let me, even before we get into the details of the picture, um, let me start with three priorities or three elements of what's on this page before we even look at it. Um, I think one aspect that's on this page is collaborating churches, that it's churches that plant churches. That's what you see up here at the top, Church A, Church B, Church C, Church D, Church E. And it could be a bunch more, but there's, there's a number of churches, but what do they do? They give to the church plant money and time. Their money and their time. Notice I'm not putting the word expertise down. To be involved in this requires no expertise in church planning. A church that has never had anything to do with church planning could say, we want to be a partner in a church plant, and we're going to collaboratively do it with a group of other churches. Answer the question, why? Why, why, why can the church be part of it without being an expert? And the reason you can do it without being an expert is there will always be in this cluster of churches, at least one church that does have history and expertise in it. Many times that's how, if you want to call this a hub, the way a hub will get started is there will be a church planting church with expertise, with history who says, let's get one going. Maybe, or it might be a network that's already, or a church planting ministry that says, we want to get a church plant going in such and such a location and, and so they've already got some level of expertise. That's number one. Number two, uh, Brett's jumping ahead one step, but a second element of the model is the process. That's where the expertise comes in. The plant is getting a process that we will roughly have these relationships already in place across the new movement for assessment, training, residency, coaching, project management, that will allow the planter and this group of churches direct access to already proven best practice processes. It's already there. And so the churches don't have to have it or provide it. They can get it through the process that's in place. Is that, is that answering what you're yeah. saying? So. One element of this model are the churches that collaborate. Um, the second model is the expertise of the process that gets brought to bear. The third element is the set of expectations on the church plan, that we will have a set of expectations. Now, uh, for all of the Renew Movement church plants, one, one requirement is that the church plant needs to agree to the Renew Faith Statement. They, they, we are talking a church plant that's going to subscribe to the new faith statement. They've got to agree with the disciple-making mission and growth engine at the core of what they're doing. 
They've got to agree with the accountability, and we're providing accountability in two ways, coaching down here, and then interim el an interim elder board that's made up from these churches. So there's an interim elder board in place to oversee the church plant until the elder board gets put in place. And the church plant is agreeing with that accountability. Now, uh, I put tithe to church planting up here. No, I don't know whether all the, th this one falls short of a requirement for a new movement. Some of the hubs in the Renew Network, like the one that Brett and I are part of, we will require one expectation of the church plant is if you, right now in America, the studies that have been done, 76%, three out of four church plants in America do not turn around and plant churches. Three out of four don't turn around and plant. What, what we're trying to do is right from the beginning, where's your heartbeat? If the church plant starts tithing to church planting from the beginning, they're, they're going to be involved in church planting. And what we mean by tithing to church planting, here's the beautiful thing about it. These clusters of churches that are, you know, and we're going to have a bunch of them always out there in the new movement doing things. All the church plant has to do is commit at a minimum, they could go do it a different way, but they could commit, we're going to be part of a new movement, always part of a cluster, picking one of the clusters, and we're, they've got a way to just jump right in and already be, they don't have to do it themselves. Brett's question about expertise, they're a brand new church plant, they can jump right in and be part of another cluster of church plants. Okay? Those are the three elements of what we're going to do. Cluster of churches, bring the, the money and the, and the oversight together, uh, the process that would uh, be applied with the planter of expertise, and then the expectations of what the planter needs to, to do. Let me pause again and just see if there's any questions. How does a church become part of a hub? And so here's, how does a church become part of the hub is the question. So here's what we've done. We're, we're officially, um, let me broaden the question to say, because Renew Movement itself I know this is going to sound subtle or weird. Renew Movement itself is not, I want to be careful, but it's not really the church planting organization. It's the catalyst champion for church planting happening connected with Renew. The church planting happens through the clusters of churches and through existing church planting organizations. So we're trying to do this in a way that church planting organizations can join and be a part of this. They're already recruiting planters, trying to mobilize money. So it isn't just the, how the churches become part, but existing church planting ministries could become part too. But the answer is this, uh, the way we're starting, we've already, as part of the official launch, we have five, we've officially, as of yesterday, we have five, uh, it's on the back, if you go to the back of the sheet, we have five pilot projects that are, we're kicking off. I think there's a good chance, Bobby Harrington, is convinced, and we'll see, that by the end of the year, we think we'll be up to 10 pilot plants, probably. So we're going to start with these five right now. Um, there's one pilot in Washington, D.C., that Brett Andrews and New Life Christian Church, they will be the hub church. The first thing they're doing, they've already started the process, is recruiting other churches to be part of the cluster. Um, 
And then uh, Bobby Harrington and Harpeth are a second pilot project in Middle Tennessee. Uh, Real Life Ministries in Texas who are here, uh, they've got a plant in Canada that will be one of the initial pilots using this. Um, Dave Clayton with Ethos Church and Onward, uh, they've actually got five hubs getting ready to form North America, Albania, and one other place that's listed uh, that will be our fourth pilot. And then Donnie Williams, LifePoint Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, is a fifth pilot. So each of those five pilots, they will be like the, the team leader, if you want to call it that way, and they will recruit and mobilize other, other groups in. So here's how easy it is, Mark. Any church that wants to get involved in this, the immediate way they can get involved is if one of these five pilots is something they're interested in, or all five. They can jump into one or more of the five pilots right now. It's it's literally a decision to jump in. Can I take it back up? Yeah. The, if I now now one of the unanswered questions. So how's this movement? How's this not just five churches getting started? Um, one of the questions that we asked years ago is well, when we I would just if I were to ask you, how many of you feel like you are all stars? How many of you feel like you're ordinary? How many feel like your churches are? super mega great unbelievable how many of you feel like you're just kind of ordinary churches um, the key to evangelizing the world is not all stars there are only so many rick warrens in the world thank you for rick warren but there are only so many rick warrens the key is ordinary people the key for us to to go into all the world and make disciples is not a whole bunch of all-star churches mega churches plant churches it's every ordinary church being part of a church plant and so part of part of the vision here is we have you have ordinary churches who are part of church planting and they can see how they can be part of church planting and guess what you've just started a church who's going to be a part of another church plant and some of these churches will be part of it but then they'll invite other churches to be part of it and the way a movement <coughs> develops is more of these churches get started. More of these churches get the vision for church planting. More ordinary churches. Of, I, I grew up in a church that is 250 people. More churches of 250 people say, we can do $15,000 a year. We want to be a part of it. They get the vision. God blesses them. And then more of those churches are part of it. So that's how we get that's the vision for movement out of this. It makes it possible for ordinary churches to be part of church planting. We hope you've enjoyed this breakout session content, learning more about the renewed church planting movement. If you have any more questions or want to know more, check out renew.org for all of our other resources online. Thanks for joining us. We will be back on Tuesday morning with our next breakout session together.